And when I meet community builders to talk about career, we all start with, when did you learn you were a community builder? It's almost like that thing, oh, you were doing that thing. And one day someone said, oh, that's community building. Or someone hired you as a community manager or you became a head of community. Hey, friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn, here at Portfolio Career Podcast. We help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's guest is Laís de Oliveira. Uh, she is the program director of Ondex Community Builders Program. Um, the next cohort starts in September 2021. Um, she's also the author of the book called Hacking Communities. Um, if you're interested in the growing and emerging field of community professionals in the workplace, um, how to grow as a community professional manager and leader, um, and also tools, tips, tactics, uh, and ways to build community currently in your role. Um, this episode is for you. Um, as always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Laís. Uh, Laís, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start, I love this idea of yours that everyone can be a community builder. Um, and maybe it's kind of, uh, or we have the opportunity or the chance to, to do so uh, as, you know, for the listener that's out there, that's like interested in this field or, or whatnot. But yeah, I just love that, that, that idea or that value of yours. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yes, thank you for that question. I definitely believe that, that this is a possibility. Every single human knows how good it feels to belong and needs belonging in their lives. And in face of need, I am sure every single one of us would find their roots back into how to make friends, build trust, engage with people, and belong again. The point is that many of us grow up in a comfortable life, or many times we grow up amongst community builders who are naturals at it, maybe your grandma, your mom, or your best friend from school who's always bringing everyone together. So we might not have the need or we might take community for granted. And it often takes, I say that also in my book, Hacking Communities, in the same book where I say everyone is a community builder and has that capacity. I also say that oftentimes in order to become a community builder or to spark that capacity in you, you got to become the foreigner first. And I can talk more in depth about that, but to say the fact everyone is a community builder and I have the inner goal to spark everyone's inner community builder out, uh, the fact everyone has that potential doesn't mean everyone will exercise it. And back to the point where many times we take community for granted. I believe though we are in a new world where communities have been um, I don't want to use the word destroyed because that's not true. They have been redesigned uh, by major forces. Even the recent pandemic, which hit the whole world, is one example. And there is a need to reinvent communities. And that, I believe, right, raises the need of, for more people to learn again around the best practices, the tactics to bring people together recurrently enough to build trust and familiarity. So that practice, which actually makes the community builder, is what we maybe need to relearn because the world has been restructured against or according to our will. 
And um, yes, I believe we all know how to do it because belonging is an imperative, a biological imperative. And we can talk about that, but it dates back to times when we lived in caves and understood that we would not go anywhere on our own. And those of us who probably who decided not to belong probably did not leave any descendants. So um, yeah, belonging is part of us. And I believe we all know how to do it if we face that deep. Uh, I love that. And uh, but there's many different uh, things to that I want to talk more about there. But you also mentioned these kind of like tactics and, and mm-hmm. kind of frameworks and um, and talk to us a little bit about kind of cadence or relevance or that is helpful for building community. Yeah. So the other day I mentioned in this conversation I had an, at an event called Coming to Thrive that I usually joke that it's not a joke. It's a scientific metaphor. And I like scientific metaphors that engineering serendipity, talking about these tactics of like cadence that are related to engineering serendipity, which is basically enhancing the probability of successful encounters. So is that uh, enhancing the chance of meeting that special person at a bar or enhancing that possibility of meeting your future best friend in a random coffee shop or party. So uh, contexts where there is higher relevance tend to have higher levels of serendipity. For example, if you go to a music concert of your favorite band, it is more likely that you will find people who share similar values with you because they tend to like the same things. Because as we're talking actually before this interview, music is not just about uh, the sound that it's making. It's about things we believe in and the lifestyle that we appreciate. So it tells a lot about who we are, about our, ident- our, our identity. So context defines relevance, which defines identity. So the more, the higher uh, relevance, the more likely you would meet someone who really, who you really can relate to in a certain space. So bringing it back to what you were saying, when I talk about engineered serendipity, I'm talking about let's enhance the probability of successful encounters. And I like to joke that it's just about collision theory applied for humans instead of particles, because uh, it's not it's not about like um, connect controlling every interaction and connecting every human and say, hey, I think you guys should date Maria and John. It's about enhancing the possibility that this successful encounter will happen. You can't force a connection, but you can create an environment for that to happen. So you think back to collision theory, there are three main factors, which are frequency, density, and catalyst. And frequency is about you don't become friends with a human you just met once and never again texted. So you just become friends because you meet someone at a music festival, then you text them and say, hey, Uh, I would love to grab dinner with you. And then you continue that conversation. And the more you see each other, the more you want to hang out. Uh, So frequency, when you talk about that as a tactic, it's cadence. It's about you need to create rhythm and and consistency. People follow rhythm. We are, uh, have you watched the Dead Poets Society? Yeah, I love it. Remember this table scene when they start like stomping around the table and suddenly they are following the same rhythm. And then the teacher explains why metric matters in poetry. There's a scene that talks about that. So we like predictable things because predictability builds trust. When I know something is bound to happen, I feel familiar with it. (laughs) And I feel like I know this. The feeling that I know this feels like, oh, I'm an insider. So frequency, as in knowing that meetup happens every Thursday, every last Thursday of the month, it's a hack to cadence. It's a hack to trust. So that's frequency. I'm going to mention the, I know that I'm talking for very long, but I'm just going to briefly mention the other two. Density 
it's about coziness. You don't host a massive party, uh, sorry, the opposite. They don't host a cozy party, an intimate dinner party in a football stadium. You want to bring people close. And I like to give IRL, like in real life examples for coziness, which is the example of density. It's about when you host a private dinner, you want warm yellow lights over bright office-like or dentist office-like white lights because that builds a sense of home and makes people feel more comfortable so density is about bring engineering closeness engineering warmth engineering a context which makes people feel like it's cozy or like if it's a live festival and you want to bring people together there are spaces where they can hang out lounge areas uh coffee shop i like always to give like the physical place example because i've worked for place making with place making before and that's my go-to example. And finally, the catalyst is where relevance comes in. Catalysts are things that accelerate trust. I'm going to give the example of Ondak, where I work right now. Our application process works as a catalyst because when people join in and they walk in the room as I became a fellow, that means they feel I am selected. I was selected and I'm part. So that is a previous thing that builds almost immediate trust with another fellow that I, they meet because they went through the same process. They feel like they applied for this. They signed up for this. It's self-selected. And also there's a selection process going on. That's an example of a catalyst or meeting friends through friends. Like we met through Steve. It's almost like it, it accelerates trust. It's probably the same the first time we're talking. And there's this intrinsic sense that we know each other, but we don't technically. But it feels like we do because Steve is a catalyst. So relevance is that how do we enhance trust? Or I'm going to give one last example of catalyst, which is the first one I gave. Going to your favorite band's concert and meeting a friend there, a future friend there. And I like to say there's this quote, not by Yates, but people say it's by him. I don't know who said it, but it's a good one. Uh, I love Yates, by the way, William Butler Yates, but that there's this thing called uh, that they put in, in Irish pubs, then they quote it as Yates, but it was not him. That goes like, um, there are no strangers here, only friends you haven't yet met. So that describes situations where you're bound to meet future best friends. And often the situations are charged with relevance. Either you share an intense experience together, like your car breaks in the middle of the road and someone helps you and it turns out that you went through that together or you meet through another friend or go to a favorite band's music festival. In a nutshell, relevance, catalyst is about enhanced relevance comp compressed in a very short period of time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And you uh, brought up a, a good example of On Deck, which I, I, haven't, I haven't intimately been uh, familiar with um, or experienced, but this idea of online workshops, online communities, uh, there's already a natural kind of selection and, and uh, kind of filter uh, for deeper connection or serendipity or just great relationships. And I think that that's really seen to your point earlier around this idea of like reimagining and re-sparking and redesigning things. Uh, it seems like uh, I've been a big beneficiary of online workshops um, and online communities. And it seems like uh, we're both on the same page about the, the chance uh, for A, to learn with like-minded people, but then also to, to form great relationships. Yeah. And uh, what you're saying is that you're talking about this content-based online experiences that bring people together and then build community. And the things that people focus a lot on content strategy and think it's synonymous to community building. So content strategy is one of, I don't know how many hundreds of tactics in community building. 
and it relates back to cadence. Like you don't become friends with someone you met at a bar once. And if you want to build community through content, you need to do that recurrently. And you need to follow up. And it's like, you can't keep hanging out with people at the same bar in the same way, unless you are in, in an episode of How I Met Your Mother for the rest of your life. <laughs> uh, you need to, to have a party eventually. So I like to think of cadence as in, you don't, really ho- you don't only host workshops, you need to diversify points of encounter. So one of the things I love at on deck, and I first became a fellow, I joined as a founder fellow, before I became the director for their community builders fellowship, just for context. And each fellowship has its own selection process and program and et cetera. But when I became a fellow um, at the core, we, we, we were doing the same, which is interaction design and building trust through interactions. And the one thing is that you might have a workshop where people who are interested in a certain topic come to, and there is relevance because they are all interested in like, I don't know, copywriting. And then from there, you say, hey, now there is an office hours where you're going to have more intimate conversations. And then you meet someone there and you go, you know what? Can I have a one-on-one with you? There's a coffee chat. And then you're very deep into copywriting. You made a lot of friends in that field, but then you go to an icebreaker around ad tech or around fintech, whatever you want to say. And then you meet random quote-unquote people there who you hadn't met before. So I like to, the metaphor I use for this is that when you are the community builder, you must engineer interactions that are diverse in the ways people connect and I like to call them as like you can design festivals like music festivals where there's just like an icebreaker a lot of people hanging out regardless of who they are the context is like we're all community builders you can have coffee chats which is one-on-ones you can have workshops which is more which are more like a party in your part or a, a class more like a lecture in that case and you can have dinner parties you can have so in a nutshell you need to create spaces in diverse ways that in, pe- in which people connect one to many, many to many, one to one, one to five. And those always, or five to five, that always creates kind of different ways of interaction. So we have masterminds, we have icebreakers, we have workshops, we have lectures, masterclasses, and all these different types of interaction build up a community over time. And you need that to be recurring over time. And you need rhythm. You need to, people need to know that Tuesdays and Thursdays are for talks. Fridays are for socials they need to be able to predict. Yeah. And and to clarify, Icebreaker, that's a software platform, right? To I'm talking about Icebreakers as a broad term. Okay. Okay. But uh, there is a platform that changed name. They yeah. use called Icebreaker, but we did use it a lot. We love it now. I don't want to promote platforms here, but they are really good actually. I think they're called Gather Round. But um I'm I'm just saying whatever you do, you can do an icebreaker over Zoom. Just bring people together and ask them a weird question. And um, yeah, so that connects them beyond their profession and stuff. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Uh, So that kind of really sets the stage here in terms of uh, conversation design, um, you know, kind of putting yourself into these better positions, uh, meeting people, uh, and just the opportunity of where kind of online communities are right now. For somebody that is earlier in their community building journey as a professional, um, I think that we're seeing a real growth of an emergence of these roles. Uh, and, you know, I think it maybe about a year ago it was like, oh, you know, oh yeah, we need a, a community manager, community builder. And then now it's like, no, no, we have to have one. And then now it's like, okay, but this, and then now it needs to be, you know, a really great person and all, all these things. So long yeah. story short, uh, we're seeing a proliferation and emergence of this. 
And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how do people work up the call it the community professional ladder or mm-hmm. yeah, just what is, what is uh, growth and career growth look like for the, yeah, as a professional, not uh, as a professional that works at maybe a company like on deck, et cetera. How can those types of people? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, uh, there is an emergence. I just want to talk about like to validate what you're saying. There is an emergence of community building related educational courses out there. There is not yet a career. And when I meet community builders to talk about career, we all start with, when did you learn you were a community builder? It's almost like that thing. Oh, you were doing that thing. And one day someone said, oh, that's community building or someone hired you as a community manager or you became a head of community. So you learned that that weird collection of competencies that you had actually had a home and that home was community as a knowledge field. It happened with me that I was doing that thing for a very long time, actually since 2007, I was working for an NGO, leading 2000 volunteers across three countries and organizational culture was crucial to the work I did. And I wasn't aware that that type of management was community-driven kind of management. And then I moved on to startup ecosystem development in 2012. And it wasn't until 2014, someone looked at me and said, oh, we need more community builders like you. I was living in Malaysia, had just moved there. And I was like, apparently that's important. So yeah, that's that's totally what I do. I'm a community (laughs) builder here. So that's when I learned. And then we all have our story. But what I want to say here is that from the moment someone called me a community builder, I started moving on and meeting other who, others who also were community builders and finding that across the world, we shared similar mindset, practices, and ways of doing things. And uh, that was in 2014. And that's actually when I decided that I was going to write an article, which became a book five years later called Hacking Communities. But the whole point is that we eventually learned that community is a field of knowledge because there are knowledge patterns. There are repeatable tactics. There are similar ways of doing. We use similar terminology. And that leads to the fact that we need potentially a library on this field. We need potentially a college building on this field. The only thing is that college as a system itself, like traditional education is an old system in itself. So we might not need actually community building to be taught in college. We need it to be taught. And I think the first step, uh, I'm, I'm build, and it's a long build up to say that, we have already enough platforms who have gathered enough community managers, builders, heads of community, VPs of community. We have chief community officers right now. Um, I have a fun story about that, by the way. The, fun, the point right now is we have a growing knowledge base that includes the ONDEC Community Builders Fellowship, where we bring in people who are actively working on communities so that they come in to learn from each other and learn from top industry experts. So there's a community-driven aspect of learning from each other and the learning from experts, but mainly co-creating knowledge within this field and being part of that. There's CMX doing an outstanding job, long-standing, one of the most, one of the first, if not the first in this industry, now doing the CMX MBA, the community club with the CM school, and many other Facebook with their blueprint certification Uh, on community management and course. So what I want to say is that community has already an ongoing, how can I say, basis of resources. And I would first suggest that as as someone who's curious about community, first go to this networks, go to CMX, 
go to community.club, go to come to on deck and check out if your profile we are searching for uh, as a community professional. So if you want to grow and scale in as a community professional, there are channels like possibly the on that community builders fellowship, the CMX MBA. If you're someone who's just getting started, maybe start by going to community.club, start by listening to your podcast, start by David's podcast, start by understanding which, <laughs> which uh, places we can go to a validate if that's what you want to do. So my, my strongest advice to uh, young grads is that you can also learn by doing because community, I started from actually online forums, like the Lord of the Ring forums. If I want to drive back to when did I learn about community, it was back and when I was 11, hanging out at forums with like wanting to become a moderator. So what I'm going to say is that learn by doing and learn from existing networks. Start from there. And if you are someone who's already in the field, there are lots of platforms for you to hang out with others like you. Did you want to say more about Lord of the Rings or did you just want to say more about uh, the chief community officer? You said you had a funny story there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big nerd. So I'm part of most of the nerds communities. Like I was big in RPG and D&D, Lord of the Rings, heavy metal bands and fandom. Um, so I'm not sure I'm proud about that, but yeah, that's part of my, my story. But uh, I wanted to just hear, what do you think about this? Did I answer your question before I go into the funny story? Did I answer your question in the career path and how to get there as a community professional? Yeah, I, what I heard was that there's more people out there uh, the field is growing. People are co-creating knowledge, uh, and there's a couple different ways to do so. And I also think that I've heard you talk about that many executives are also uh, separate from the chief community officer, but many executives, call it a COO, CMO, etc., are actively engaged in community building. And it may not be, uh, you know, may not have been in their their initial job description or what they're hired for, but that is probably what they're doing. So. Uh, it seems like as an industry uh, or as a, as the field could also point to success stories and case studies of people like that, that are launching programs like that. And to say, you know, Hey, this is the path that I see. Uh, is this, uh, th- this path is possible. Yeah. I think that um, it's, it, it's definitely true. And I was talking about that the other, the other day with two of our own deck fellows. One of them is Monica. She is, currently the head of community uh, for one of Canva products, the creator's product. And before she was the head of community at Pexos and Ellie Kerr, who's the head of community at NFX. Then both of them were saying how they got into this and how when they were hiring for a community manager, like possibly five years ago, there was no one with that kind of title. So you had to dig into people's skills and find related skills that would possibly lead to community. Uh, I can tell you more about that as well related to what um, we're doing it on deck. We we had to very dig very deep into what is community as a knowledge and professional field because it feels like it's a combination of several things. And generalists and jacks of all trades tend to be good community people. So we were actually uh, at on deck. We dug really deep to rebuild our curriculum for this field, for this next cohort because I started in our first cohort with. Let's bring community builders together and have us interact and engineer serendipity and it's going to be great. And yeah, it was great, but people wanted something more tangible. They wanted tactics. And I learned that not everyone's building community the same way. So basically, to what I just mentioned, I do believe there are COOs who are actually community COs. There are CMOs who are actually community chief community officers. And what I've learned is that 
we are still building this knowledge up and getting to know it better. But there are many three tracks in community building. One is strategy. When and this is for everyone. When you want to make sure community is not just a fancy, cute thing to have, but a crucial initiative, strategy, asset that drives business success. So strategy is about defining how do you measure value of community. Then we have growth, which is related to all the marketing things. Many people think of community as only that, which is marketing, outreach, getting new people in, building uh, ambassadorship programs, uh, branding, storytelling. And that is very crucial, but not all that community is. And the other third track would be operations, which is the act of bringing people together. When community is in the left side of your business model canvas, if you get the reference, which means community drives value delivery. Community is part of your key activities, of your key resources to deliver value. So whenever you have platforms or products that when the product is actually a community on back, for example, is a very, we're very heavy on community as a service, for lack of a better term, community as a product, which is not a good thing, not, not a good way to put it, but to explain the fact that community as operations means that you, you add value to people from people to people. So if you look at the whole market, we need to carve that path together. We need to create clarity around what community entails to create more holistic roles within an organization and not split operations from marketing and create a position that actually brings it all together. And it takes a community builder to learn about all these different parts of community, which involves being analytical and success-focused and data-driven. It implies listening a lot. And big, basically, one thing that actually I found to be unifying across every community professional in the world is empathy. And what we have to do is creating scalable empathy, structured empathy. So we need to create feedback systems to listen to people at scale and make data-driven decisions to drive that to add more value to people from them to each other. <laughs> so it's like you are a host, you are, so you are an analytical person, you are a warm person. It's a very wild mix of characteristics that build up a specific profile, which is very hard to find. But thankfully, we're carving that path and more people will learn and develop that within themselves because back to the beginning, I believe everyone has a capacity to become a community professional. I hope I didn't went too long on that. And no, that was, that was perfect. And uh, I did also just want to mention, or you mentioned the next cohort uh, on deck community builders fellowship um, starts uh, our applications are due uh, mid September. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to this right now, uh, fill out that application uh, if that's of interest to you uh, to continue to learn from this um, yeah. amazing leader here. Um, I do have, I can tell you the story of the chief community officer. And by the way, thanks for that shout out. Um, I'll be glad to have anyone who's listening to you joining us as a fellow, including you, by the way, or as a speaker, maybe as a partner <laughs> to deliver some knowledge. But the, the funny thing is very, very short story. When um, I founded the company in 2015, 15 yeah 15 it got acquired in 2017 and they gave me the title of chief community officer and I was actually very annoyed at the time because I felt like if you're giving me this title just don't want to call me CMO because I knew no one else in the world who was a chief community officer today I would have been so proud but back in time I thought they were just giving me the title that they didn't want to give to anyone just because they felt like it was it would please me and I was very annoyed and it's a fight. The, the, the thing is that um, community also means that we are 
it's similar to the value of currency and it's similar to how we talk about crypto is that it's valuable as long as people are valuing it. And because community is rising in its importance today and there's more people seeing its importance, now becoming a chief community officer is a cool thing. Back in time, it was just like, why are you giving me this title? So anyways, just from personal story, I was actually proud of it, but I just felt like people would think that it's just like, it doesn't exist. So yeah. Yeah, love that. Um, very cool. Uh, Lais, is there, uh, as we're starting to wrap up here, is there one thing that you think a community builder professional or head of community or community manager uh, should do uh, right now? I know we shared a lot of different things, but if there's kind of one other thing that you think that they should do, uh, would love to hear it. And then while you're thinking about that, uh, please let listeners know how they can continue to follow up and learn more from you. Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Well, um, I'm going to share the letter first because I, I have to think through your first question. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, reach out and um, yeah, DM me. And especially if you're interested in what we're doing at OnDeck, I would be very curious to learn more about you. You can find me at, it's hard, it's hard to explain, but Isolive. I-S-O-L-I-V-E. That's actually my surname in Portuguese. With, so, But I'm trying to say it in English. Or Laís de Oliveira on LinkedIn. And uh, we are at beyondthat.com slash community. If you want to learn more about the fellowship, I'd love to hear more about you. So just DM me and you can find me on Twitter mostly. Um, regarding one key piece of advice, I would just follow, I would just join the community of community builders out there. There's so many great people to follow. I think Twitter is still a great community of communities to find people and follow them. Uh, I, I don't even want to name people because there are so many great ones that are out there that I might miss someone. I would list a list of 130 uh, people in community, but there's, there are great books coming out on the topic. There are great resources, which I already mentioned. So stay curious. And one thing I would suggest is that as we grow, as a knowledge field, also stay open and be aware that someone who today is a community manager two years from now could become one key expert in community as a knowledge field. And that person could be you. So as we co-create this knowledge field, there's so much opportunity for us to co-create knowledge. So don't, don't underestimate yourself. And most importantly, while you're following to the big voices out there, make sure to also build yourself up and build each other up and allow this field to remain open and curious to keep welcoming new people in because the worst thing that can happen to a community is that it becomes closed, filled with gatekeepers who wanna hold a position and that might happen in new and emerging fields that are getting hot and we don't want that to happen. So stay curious, stay open. And most of all, don't, under, don't underestimate your own contribution. Love that. Lais, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Glad to be here. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.